0: Welcome to the Masters of Data podcast, the podcast that brings the human to data, and I'm your host, Ben Newton. Some clear themes have arisen on the podcast so far, trust, privacy, ethics around data. We have talked to authors, company leaders, big thinkers, and influencers. Bill Mew was a guest in June of 2018, talking to us about data privacy and the European General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR we have brought him back on to talk about his current focus, data ethics. Bill has crafted a very solid message around what companies have to do to avoid some of the recent privacy and ethical disasters that led to huge problems for their brands and loss of their customers' trust. So without any further ado, let's dig in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Masters of Data. And I'm very happy to have a repeat guest on here, Bill Mew. He's a cloud strategist. He's uh, actually focusing now on digital ethics and transformation. I'm really excited to have you on here again. Thanks a lot for coming on, Bill Mew.
1: It was great to meet you last time. The the last one we recorded was uh, actually in London, face-to-face. This time we couldn't meet up face-to-face, but it's great to chat again.
0: I'm definitely planning on uh coming out there again. So we'll just have to make this a repeating thing we do, Bill. <laughs> so, it's been a little while since we talked. So we like you said we we met when I was in uh London in the July time frame. It was just after um GDPR had uh gone through and uh was actually, you know, formally uh, adopted and what's been happening with you since then? What have you been focusing on?
1: Well, when we met last uh it was so soon after GDPR that I think uh, there were a lot of organizations still in a a, a certain state of shock. I think all the regulations have uh, bedded down a certain amount. I've completed my uh, sort of two-year stint at uh, UK Cloud and I've decided to go independent. Um, I'm now consulting and speaking and doing a whole lot of stuff around helping companies strike the right balance between digital transformation and digital ethics, between changing the world and doing the right thing. And I was obviously the headlines, almost since we met last, have been filled with one Facebook scandal after the next. It is evident to all that uh, something needs to be happened or something needs to be done on the digital ethics side. And I'm currently doing a lot of speaking. I've been invited to do a book, which I'm just starting on, a whole lot of papers and other stuff. It's It's been a, uh, focused on by a number of the commentators as possibly going to be the biggest issue, we think, next year. I know that Gartner, for the first time, They focused on it as one of their top 10 technology issues for the year ahead. And they've said that it's absolutely essential that companies go from a tick box attitude to more of an attitude where they're changing the way that they behave in order to take it seriously and to, to engender trust by doing the right thing. Uh, I think Forrester have come out with some very similar uh, predictions. They've predicted a a spike in privacy tool adoption and the use of opt-out settings. And they said that people will make these decisions based on their own personal preferences, but it will make the life of uh, marketeers very difficult because hyper-personalization is going to be exceedingly difficult when people opt out. We're also going to see a number of co- uh, consumers being far more aware and therefore more, far more active in enforcing their privacy. They'll alert regulators to any kind of malfeasance. They'll be filing lawsuits and class action lawsuits are starting to appear in Europe. They're, they're an infection that we're getting from you guys in the States. Uh, They'll <laughs> also be boycotting companies if they fail to protect their privacy. And there's uh, been some very, very interesting research recently where they they polled uh, uh, the general public, the consumers, both in the UK and the US, asking them what they really cared about. And very high on the the, uh, list of issues is uh, access to healthcare, access to education, protection from terrorism, all the things you'd expect. But then you say, well, those are the kind of things you expect the government to deal with. What is it that you expect from companies and from brands? And in the past, it's been things like diversity or sustainability or other worthy issues. Issues has jumped straight to number one in the charts, and it's data security and privacy. And we've never seen it before, and it is now the number one issue. So if you're a company out there, and I'm not just talking about tech firms here, I'm talking about any company out there. And we've just seen, the only in the last few days, the the big issue with Marriott Hotels, um, and it's goes to show it's not just the tech firms that need to be data ethics aware, it's any company out there that's processing data, any company that uh, could have an issue, and that's almost all of them. And therefore, you need to take that really seriously. So I think for the very first time, we're seeing a single issue not only be the lead brand attribute So that ultimately, you want to be a trusted brand. You want to be perceived by your customers as taking a stand and being trustworthy with their data. But at the same time, that could turn on the flip of a coin if you have an incident and all of a sudden, data security could be the the one issue uh, causing the greatest risk and threat to you. So it is the first time that we've ever seen a single issue be both the leading brand attribute and the leading brand risk at the same time.
0: You know it's, it's, it's fascinating but and what do you think is is changed because i I'm, I'm definitely seeing a lot of that same change in the conversations i'm having uh you know a lot of different places but what do you think has changed
1: I think previously and this may have been naivety on all our parts but we just trusted technology we trusted that it would work we trusted that wherever the data went it would be held securely and, and it would be used ethically and responsibly in hindsight you may say well that was incredibly naive of us but we all woke up, we've seen the, the Cambridge Analytica situation, we've seen big companies like Marriott uh, fall over their feet, we've seen all sorts of things and it, it's brought home to us that actually we shouldn't be resting on our own. we shouldn't be just accepting that um, our data is being shared and taking it for granted. And under GDPR, we have the rights now to have our records removed. We have the right to privacy. We have the right to be removed and forgotten. And people are going to be exercising those rights, and they're also going to be coming out and really punishing companies that, that don't get this kind of thing right.
0: And and what do you and what do you think there is in particular with the average users? Because I can see how the GDPR regulations is is itself, you know, generate a lot more awareness at the um corporate level, perhaps, but, you know, for just your your average person on the street, you know, why why do you think they're more aware of it now? Have there particular things you think have happened or is it just a natural evolution of the technology?
1: Um, I I think things have moved on. It's not only the level of awareness and the ways that company using data. It's actually the fact that most companies don't really have a handle on their data. And we've seen a, a migration to the cloud at the same time as we're seeing an exponential rise in data. And this actually causes an enormous risk. When people talk about moving to the cloud, normally their focus is on the applications and they look at all the different applications, and they look at which ones are are, are right to go cloud-native and to be developed in that environment or or re-engineered to to be hosted in a cloud-native environment. They look at which ones are virtualized and can be hosted quite easily in that manner, and they look at which ones possibly aren't sort of cloud-ready. And the most of the focus in the sort of migration strategy is looking at the different workloads and the different applications. One of the things often overlooked is the data. So once you migrate a lot of your applications into the cloud, if you're continually having data grow at an exponential rate, then you've got a real problem. How do you handle all that data? And there are hardly any CIOs out there that have got uh, budgets that are growing exponentially. If anything, uh, most of them are under pressure to reduce budgets. And therefore, you look at their ability to just deal with the massively growing volumes of data, and then you say, well, What are you doing with it? How are you managing it? How are you keeping it secure? How do you know what personalized information out there? What if you have customers who come and ask for their data records to be removed? How do you handle some of those requests? Are you able to do so? And it's actually the organization's ability to manage this exponential growth in data, to manage what data within that they have that is um, subject to GDPR because it's personally identifiable data. It's a real challenge for organizations out there.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I, I definitely agree. And, 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 you know, one thing that comes to mind is like in some of the things that I've been reading about how you've been thinking about this, when you use the term ethics and you're talking about the brand risk and brand attributes around trust, how do you tie the ethics to the, the, the brand risk there? Because in, in some sense, you know, do you, do you feel like people are seeing this as an ethical issue? Because to me, those are, those are kind of approaching the problem from two different sizes. One is like, yeah, if I have a, You know, I have a uh, you know hacker come in and steal, like at Marriott, come and steal a bunch of user information. That's obviously a risk to my brand in terms of trust. But you know, how does that relate to ethics from an ethical standpoint?
1: Okay, there are three aspects here. First of all, you need to have a company that has actually got it together in order to have any chance of acting responsibly and ethically with data. And actually, this uh, requires an alignment of functions that haven't traditionally worked together in any organization, you have uh, the chief marketing officer who owns the brand. He will be the person who is responsible, possibly through his PR department, of having a crisis management plan if if things go wrong and there's a big data leak. But at the same time, he will also, in his his marketing department, be wanting to look at customer data, to do some sort of predictive analysis, to use the data to its best extent to do the sort of analytics that provide data insights. Then you have the CIO. Now, the CIO will have the the application and the data management headaches, but he will also have the information security strategy. And that information security strategy won't necessarily be aligned with the crisis management plan. And then you have a third group. You have the chief risk officer, and they're very much focused on compliance. They will have the the privacy impact assessment, and they will be ensuring that, that we're ticking every single box on that particular side. But obviously, they have potentially a third different plan. And the privacy impact assessment isn't necessarily aligned with the information security strategy or the crisis management plan. And actually, to be in a position to actually deal effectively and ethically with your data, you need to have those three aligned. And this is important in order for companies to be on the front foot. And then the second aspect is, well, when things are going well and, <laughs> and we're not having an issue on our door at this very moment in time, we want to think about, well, what is our ethical position on use of data. What information do we want? How do we want to explain to our customers what we're doing with it? What are the measures that we take? What is the actual culture within the the, the company about how we treat customer data? Um, And this is becoming increasingly important because in order to be a trusted brand for people to actually want to do business with you, you actually need to sort of demonstrate the sort of ethical behavior that engenders that kind of trust. And it has to be cultural. It has to be widespread throughout the company because there have been various different interesting case law uh, that has has come out in recent times. In the UK, there's a supermarket chain called Morrison's and one employee within Morrison's posted the personal data of 100,000 employees online. There was a big stink about this. But what was uh, most interesting was the fact in the past, a company could not be held criminally liable for the criminal actions of its employees, something called vicarious liability. But in this instance, the judge ruled that because Morrisons had put this employee in a position of authority and trust and had he, he had access to that data, they were liable. And this opens a whole new door so that Morrisons then needs to compensate the 100,000 employees The criminal actions of one of its employees. And it's not just that we're also seeing class action suits. In France, we've had a massive class action suit that's been posted by the French Internet Society. They're trying to get 100 million users together to post a challenge in the courts with Facebook. We're also seeing a shareholder action. If if a company doesn't respond quickly or doesn't act responsibly with its data, the shareholders will take action. In 2016, we didn't see a single shareholder lawsuit around data security. I think we saw nine in 2017. And in 2018, we're already seeing that takeoff. So it is very much a trend. There are all sort of uh, legal aspects there. But then it goes beyond that. There's the regulator. We've got GDPR now in Europe. And very soon, we are likely to have some form of regulations in the US at a federal level. It's not so long ago that companies were saying this will never happen. Their tune has changed. They're saying, well, this is how it could happen. And and they're all trying to actually sort of influence what comes to the fore in terms of federal regulation. But most people now see it coming. And then beyond that, it, there could be fines. They could even remove, and under GDPR, they can do this. They can remove your right to process data. And that would bring your company to a complete standstill overnight. And then beyond that, wow. the law or the regulation... There's the brand aspect. I mean, look at how tarnished brands can be. Just speak to Equifax. Look at the guys at Marriott right now. Every single aspect here has to be taken into consideration. So when you do this kind of thing, it's important that we focus not only on what happens when things go right, but you need to be ready for when things go wrong. So in terms of when things go wrong, the the crisis management plan needs to come to the fore. It needs to be aligned in advance with things like your information security strategy and your privacy impact assessment. But also, you need to think about it in a different way than companies have in the past. Traditionally, crisis management is all around containment. And your strategists will come in from some crisis management plan or your, possibly your, your own PR department if you don't have a crisis management agency. And they will t- seek to contain an issue to sort of hush it up as much as possible to make sure that you're handling and controlling the message. That used to be okay with normal crisis situations, but with regulations like GDPR, it actually mandates that you have to make prompt disclosure to the regulatory authorities and to the impacted customers. And therefore, sort of containing the issue or hushing up is is no longer an option. In terms of controlling the message, if you've had a major breach and the the guys at Marriott are probably working overtime at the moment on, on the situation there you're going to have real trouble sort of countering the sort of level of hysteria and misinformation that you're going to see in the press. And this will be at a time when your credibility and your ability to sort of hold the line on on that sort of media uh, uh, speculation is at its lowest ebb. Uh, your, Your credibility will be particularly low at this point in time. And that is where we're recommending that you need to work with influencers out there who can help you get your message across, who can help you counter some of the hysteria, who can help you uh, um, counter some of the misinformation, because you're going to have your work cut out. And the threat here from the legal side, from the regulatory side, and from being tried in the press and all the hysteria and misinformation that could occur is massive. And this is something that is a threat to any organization. We're just not talking tech firms here. We're talking like Marriott, we're talking about Equifax, any company that handles data, it could happen to you. I mean, from my perspective, I hope that most of the, the companies out there, certainly the ones that are listening to us now, aren't vulnerable. It doesn't happen to them. But ideally we hopefully are gonna reach a position where they're better placed to do that because they've taken digital ethics seriously at a corporate level.
0: This is really fascinating the way you're the way you're talking about this, because I, I definitely, you know, kind of summarizing it a bit. Is that you know we we've moved from this idea about you know data privacy data ethics about distrust from being is from a containment kind of thing that if something goes terribly wrong how do you contain it and you kind of have the checkmark of security protection and these these kind of um, issues that you have to be more proactive and you know one thing that stands out from what you're saying is that beyond you having to be proactive is that your users are now more um, empowered because of GDPR so they can be proactive on their own. To you know, push it back against you, and then I, I think there's a lot of awareness in you know journalism and authors. You know, I've interviewed a couple on the podcast. Uh, you know, like Kathy O'Neill with her book um, "Weapons of Math Destruction," and there's a couple more out there like that that they're actually pushing back on the companies about how you're using their data. So even if you think you're maintaining and keeping the the ship level, people will push back against you. So you, in some sense, you you have to assume these things are going to happen, and you have to prepare for them, right?
1: Yeah, any kind of malfeasance is going to be uh, punished exceedingly harshly by consumers. The awareness is now that much higher. Their propensity to actually act is higher. They're going to be alerting regulators immediately to malfeasance. Anything they see, I've talked about some of the class action lawsuits, not just from users, but from shareholders. And then there is the, the brand loyalty. There's been research coming out that's saying that more than half of customers would abandon a brand if, if they didn't, if they felt that there'd been any type of breach or that their that their data had been mishandled in any way. And a, a, a significant portion would go further than that and actually consider taking legal action. So I think we're going to start to see consumers become privacy enforcers in their own right.
0: Right, right. No, that makes sense. You know, and one thing that uh, stands out too, actually just to uh, a I had a conversation recently with one of the founders of Samsung SmartThings, and so they make home automation. And one thing that, he, he, that struck me the way he was talking about this is he he talked about establishing trust, and it, and it to that point, like they started out early on, like this, they build a community where the the users feel involved, and, and maybe that was one thing that you know stands out to me about the companies that do this well and the companies that don't. It's like, do you feel like you're you're an object? of their you know, data ethics plan or whatever it is, or do you feel like you're a participant? Because if the users feel like they actually have some insight, if they actually have some involvement, there's a community voice there, it feels like in their case that their users feel pretty empowered and they feel pretty happy with what's going on. Whereas if you think some other situations, some of the high-profile ones, like, like Facebook, even though it's, it's a community itself, you don't feel like you were actually a participant in how your data was going to be used until very recently. I mean, is that does that sound right to you?
1: Part of it is is that level of engagement, but also it's taking a visible stand. If, if the way in which you ask permission, the way in which you act, and the sort of corporate culture around the use of data is very evident, then people will actually sit up and say, well, the, here's a bunch of guys. They're actually taking a visible stand in terms of digital ethics and the way that they treat customers. And they have a totally different orientation towards you than they will to people who who don't act in that manner. And it's going to be a source of competitive differentiation. And we have already seen a level of backlash, certainly in Europe, against some of the the global brands, because there is a, a lack of trust at this moment in time. And some of these large brands are going to have a battle getting back the sort of a level of trust that they've lost. And I think, Facebook in particular has got a massive uphill battle.
0: Yeah, you know, that makes it, you know, and for some reason this, this actually reminds me, you think this is has uh, any sort of parallels with some of the things we've seen around food quality and around, you know, organic versus not organic foods where there, there's a sense that people wanted to know the origin of their food and they cared and they wanted the labeling and they got involved and there was a lot of community and involvement in that. It seems like to some extent we're seeing that with the, with our data too right now.
1: Absolutely, and, and people wouldn't necessarily a short while ago have cared what was happening with their data because that level of awareness simply didn't exist. And therefore, back to the sort of naive to be scenario that, that used to exist, where you trusted technology, you trusted it would work, you trusted data would be held safely somewhere and that it would be used ethically. That naivety has vanished. And it's a bit like after you have a food scare. And in, in the UK, we had BSE with um, uh, British beef. It led to a heightened period of awareness amongst consumers about the, the food chain. And I think we're seeing that now in the sort of data management food chain, if you like.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've been, uh, I love history. And I've been going back and reading about some of the stuff in the early 20th century, where we first had the, you know, where the FDA was formed. And where you saw some of these books coming out about food safety and about treatment of workers and things like that. And it seems like we're going through one of those moments where, you know, there's a, there's a heightened awareness. But it seems like partly what you're saying here, too, is it's not just the it's not just the companies themselves. You know, talk a bit more about the, the influencer a bit here. So if I'm hearing you right, Paul, what you're saying is that these companies have to actually engage with people that are not necessarily employees to help get that message out. Is that what you're saying? It is
1: useful if there are, I mean, I'm a very public advocate and influencer in this particular arena. I mean, if you go into to Twitter and you type hashtag privacy, I'll probably be the number one individual in the world at any point in time, depending on whether I'm having a good week or a bad week. So <laughs> I'm one of those particularly high profile advocates out there talking privacy the whole time. I've worked with some of the leading privacy campaigners, such as Max Schrems, and helping him to crowdfund an NGO to represent people's privacy across Europe. And I've worked with some of the leading cloud firms in this country who have sort of provide particularly secure data sovereign services to differentiate themselves against some of the, the global players. So I would be one of those. And there are a number of influencers out there who are well known around either security or privacy. Those are the type of people, possibly also journalists and analysts, that you need to have an existing relationship with long before things go wrong such that if and when they do go wrong and your credibility is, its, is at its lowest ebb, you're able to brief them, you're able to explain to them the real situation to get through the hype and some of the misinformation and hope that they can actually, using their authority in the market and their credibility in this particular space, talk rationally about what is really happening to, to cut through that hype and that misinformation. But this is the, these relationships with these type of people is not something that you can do at the very last minute. You have done this beforehand. It's it's like suddenly deciding to learn to swim once you're drowning. <laughs> <laughs> at that moment, you're stuffed. But if you learn to swim sometime in advance, you've got a good chance of surviving. In the same instance, you need to be able to work with influencers to brief them to about your data ethics standards such that when things go wrong, you have an existing relationship with them. You can sort of call out to them and say, look, this is misinformation, this is hysteria. You're a responsible journalist, you're a responsible analyst, you're a responsible privacy influencer. Help us put the record straight. And actually, that is the way I I think the company is going to need to go because the whole traditional crisis management Orientation around containment simply isn't going to work in this day and age.
0: No, that's, it's it's fascinating the way you describe it because I, you know, going back to where you where you started, where you were talking about the different functions within the company that have to collaborate. You know, typically on the security and, and you know, definitely on the technology side, uh, you know, CIOs, CISOs, you know, uh, that 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 arena, they're not used to engaging like this with influencers and thinking about perceptions and how you have to get ahead from a communication perspective and and i can i can see how that's one way the marketing function the cmo getting involved with this is going to be you know super important because just like you said you know coming from a software background you know we spend a lot of time with analysts because you just, you have to and you can't just do that when you release a product feature or something goes wrong you actually have to build a relationship over time so is that is that partly where you see the marketing function coming in
1: yeah, I, I think if you're if you're, a, if you're a, a brand custodian out there, uh, my, my biggest message to you would be take digital ethics seriously um, and try and get it as part of your culture in order to establish yourself as a trusted brand. Because actually, that will differentiate you in the market. That will be a competitive advantage. But also, you need to have the alignment between your crisis management plan, then also uh, the guys in the CIO department and and what they're doing about information security management, and also the the chief risk officer or or the compliance group around their privacy impact assessment to make sure those are aligned. You also need to to actually have a plan that is practice as intervals so that you do scenario planning and you do rehearsals. And on top of that, you're developing relationships with those analysts, the privacy influencers such as myself, uh, and so that you have a relationship well in advance of anything going wrong. They reckon that at a time of a crisis, it is the first hour that will define possibly the outcome of the entire scenario. If you are quick to get all the right people together, to get a holding statement together, to alert all the different key constituents and stakeholders, including those influencers that you need to reach out to in that sort of time. And you can sort of pull together a lot of stuff within the first hour. You have a far better uh, chance of cracking the whole problem and actually getting ahead of it. If you can't do that, and if you suddenly decide, I'm going to start learning to swim now because I'm, I'm starting to drown... Uh, it's too late. You're never going to pull to get things together in the first hour, the first day. It may even take you weeks, and you will be behind the game all the way throughout that period, and your brand will be cut to shreds.
0: Yeah. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> if anybody, anybody's uh, listening to that, I, mean, I would, I would hope they would. Uh, uh they're getting a little afraid if they haven't, uh, you know, thought about this already. So, okay, so you, there's somebody listening to you here or somewhere else saying this and, and kind of putting. The message out there, and you take this seriously. I mean, where's the right place to get started? I mean, what's the first couple of things they need to make sure they, they get done if they haven't really take, gone this direction yet?
1: I think if you can go and you can get crisis management templates anywhere off the web, but they're, they're fairly straightforward to get hold of. You, there are crisis management uh, agencies out there. Not many of them are yet. Oriented to specifically around the data incident or the data crisis scenario, I've got a group called Fudbusters who uh, are out there. I uh, try and counter all the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that um, uh, occurs in this sort of scenario, and we're very happy to to work with people when disaster occurs, we'd far prefer to actually sort of consult with people well in advance to help them align their different departmental strategies to make sure that they have the correct preparations in place to make sure that actually they have the right scenario planning, possibly the ability to rehearse those type of scenarios, and that they're ready, engaged with influencers such as myself, but there are others out there that, that they could work with in order to actually be well prepared. The other thing you need to consider about if If you make data ethics part of your cultural behavior, your employees are far more likely to act responsibly. They're also far more likely to deal with customer data as an asset and something precious. And you're going to be far better placed because you've done this alignment of the the different departmental strategies in order to respond. So, actually the digital ethics approach is not just about differentiating yourself in the market and and having a competitive market advantage when things go well it's actually making sure that disasters are less likely to happen and if they do you're better positioned to, and better prepared to deal with them
0: what you're saying about the employee culture too makes a, a lot of sense because I can <laughs> I'm having these images in my mind early on in the in the days here our uh, chief security officer had her selection of a few different stories that she would scare the crap out of us with so we're like well this can happen and this happens and this happens and this company failed you know and i think having that um early on that you know employees really see the privacy of their you know customers data as a top concern you know back to samsung smart things you know scott who i interviewed said you know we believe that customers you know our users own their own data and while that seems kind of obvious when you hear it i don't think a lot of companies act that way and so having somebody say that and proactively act on that and that's a cultural attribute that pervades the entire organization you know that seems to be key to really being you know can't be just the leaders saying this that actually has to pervade the entire organization right
1: to look at your own company whichever company you are where you're listening to us here. Just think about it. If your company is a type of organization that, that thinks information security, well, that's something that the IT department do. Sort of a compliance with the GDPR or whatever regulations, oh, yeah, that's something that the, the compliance department, the CRO does. And then you think about the, your brand reputation. Oh, well, you know, that's that's something that the, the, the marketeers do. If that's the attitude in your company, you're already heading in the wrong direction. There are many organizations already that have an ethos that um, we don't just have a marketing department everyone's marketing, everyone's out to sell the brand, everyone is part of, has a responsibility in putting forward the corporate ethos. Well, if you have that more positive, a forward-looking attitude, and you incorporate digital ethics such that uh, you're not only being responsible about looking after the customer, but also thinking about their data and about the, the data security, then actually culturally, you're at an advantage in all the ways that I mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Going forward here, I mean, what's coming for you? So it sounds like, you know, if... Uh you're getting your message out there. Hopefully, you're spending a lot of time with companies that are trying to engage you to get ahead of this. I mean, is that- I'm i
1: speaking to a number of different organizations. I, I've been approached by some publishers who've seen a lot of my writing and speaking. on. They want me to write a book, and I'm basically planning that out at the moment. I've got some speaking opportunities. I'm still sort of very active on social. Follow me at Bill Mew, and I'm sure the link will be included in, in, in the write-up here. And I'm passionate about it. I mean, that's probably evident from the way I talk. <laughs> and I'm ways in which I can help companies, not just help them when things go wrong, and and I can do that, but I also want to help things, companies well before it goes wrong and trying to prevent it go wrong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great message. It's all about, you know, thinking ahead of uh, time and actually, you know, considering the where you want to be and and planning about that ahead of time so that you're able to react more quickly and more comprehensively. I think that that's a good message to get out there. Well, I mean, like I said, Bill, I, I'd love to get you on here again to see how that's going. And if you write a book, I most definitely want to be one of the people talking to you about it. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on here.
1: Uh, it's a bit of pleasure, just like last time. It's a fascinating and fastly, uh, very quickly evolving arena. So no doubt, uh, whenever we speak next, they'll, more, more will have happened. And it was only Marriott the last couple of days. I'm sure there are going to be more incidents. I'm sure there are going to be more brands that really suffer in this. Uh, and, and if your company and your brand doesn't want to be one of them, you need to wake up. Digital ethics, it's, it's going to be the big issue of 2019. Just you wait.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we're going to, I think you're on the right track. Well, thanks a lot, um, Bill, for coming on. And for everybody listening, we'll put some things in the notes link to some of the things that uh, Bill's been talking about. And uh, definitely uh, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and rate us so that other people can find us. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. Masters of Data is brought to you by Sumo Logic. Sumo Logic is a cloud native machine data analytics platform delivering real time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. Sumo Logic empowers the people who power modern business. For more information, go to SumoLogic.com. For more on Masters of Data, go to MastersOfData.com and subscribe. And spread the word by rating us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.